This is Warrior's Way Podcast, episode 38, and I'm James Eek. Not causing harm, obviously, includes not killing or robbing or lying to people. It also includes not being aggressive, not being aggressive with our actions or our speech or our minds. Learning not to cause harm to ourselves or to others is a basic Buddhist teaching on the healing power of non-aggression. Not harming others or ourselves in the beginning, not harming ourselves or others in the middle, and not harming ourselves or others in the end is the basis of enlightened society. This is how there could be a sane world. It starts with sane citizens, and that's us. The most fundamental aggression to ourselves, the most fundamental harm we can do to ourselves, is to remain ignorant by not having the courage and the respect to look at ourselves honestly and gently. The ground of not causing harm is mindfulness, a sense of clear seeing with respect and compassion for what it is we see. This is what basic practice shows us. But mindfulness doesn't stop with formal meditation. It helps us relate with all the details of our lives. It helps us see and hear and smell without closing our eyes or our ears or our noses. It's a lifetime's journey to relate honestly to the immediacy of our experience and to respect ourselves enough not to judge it. As we become more wholehearted in this journey of gentle honesty, it comes as quite a shock to realize how much we've blinded ourselves to some of the ways in which we cause harm. Our style is so ingrained that we can't hear when people try to tell us, or either kindly or rudely, that maybe we're causing some harm by the way we are or the way we relate with others. We've become so used to the way we do things, it's that somehow we think that others are used to it too. It's painful to face how we harm others, and it takes a while. It's a journey that happens because of our commitment to gentleness and honesty, our commitment to staying awake, to being mindful. Because mindfulness... In that mindfulness, we see our desire and our aggression, our jealousy and our ignorance. We don't act on them. We just see them. Without mindfulness, we don't see them. The next step is refraining. Mindfulness is the ground. Refraining is the path. Refraining is one of those uptight words that sounds repressive. Surely alive, juicy, interesting people would not practice refraining. Maybe they would sometimes refrain, but not as a lifestyle. In this context, however, refraining is very much the method of becoming a dharmic person. It's a quality of not grabbing for entertainment the minute we feel a slight edge of boredom coming on. It's the practice of not immediately filling up space just because there's a gap. Once I was given an interesting meditation practice that combined mindfulness and refraining, we were told just to notice what our physical movements were when we felt uncomfortable. I began to notice that when I felt uncomfortable, I did things like pull my ear, scratch my nose or my head. 
when it didn't even itch. Or straighten my collar. I made all kinds of little jumpy jittery movements when I felt like I was losing ground. Our instruction was not to try to change anything, not to criticize ourselves for whatever we were doing, but just to see what we did. Noticing how we try to avoid is a way to get in touch with basic groundlessness. Refraining, not habitually acting out impulsively, has something to do with giving up entertainment mentality. Through refraining, we see that there's something between the arising of the craving or the aggression or the loneliness or whatever it might be and whatever action we take as a result. There's something there in us that we don't want to experience and we never do experience because we're so quick to act. Underneath our ordinary lives, underneath all the talking we do and all the moving we do, all the thoughts in our minds, there is a fundamental groundlessness. It's there bubbling along all the time. We experience it as restlessness and edginess. We experience it as fear. It motivates passion and aggression and ignorance and jealousy and pride, but we never get down to the essence of it. Refraining is the method for getting to know the nature of this restlessness and fear. It's a method for settling into groundlessness. If we immediately entertain ourselves by talking, by acting, by thinking, if there is never any pause, we will never be able to relax. We will always be speeding through our lives. We'll always be stuck with what my grandfather called a good case of the jitters. Refraining is a way of making friends with ourselves at the most profound level possible. We can begin to relate with what's underneath all the bubbles and burps and farts and all the stuff that comes out and expresses itself as uptight, controlling, manipulative behavior or whatever it is. Underneath all that, there's something very soft, very tender that we experience as fear or edginess. Once there was a young warrior. Her teacher told her that she had to do battle with fear. She didn't want to do that. It seemed too aggressive. It was scary. It seemed unfriendly. But the teacher said she had to do it and gave her instructions for the battle. And that day arrived. The student warrior stood on one side and fear stood on the other. And the warrior was feeling very small and fear was looking big and wrathful. And they both had their weapons. The young warrior roused herself and went toward fear, prostrated three times and asked, May I have permission to go into battle with you? Fear said, Thank you for showing me so much respect that you asked for permission. Then the young warrior said, How can I defeat you? Fear replied, my weapons are that I talk fast and I get very close to your face. Then you get completely unnerved and you do whatever I say. If you don't do what I tell you, I have no power. You can listen to me and you can have respect for me. You can even be convinced by me. But if you don't do what I say, well, I have no power. And in that way, the student warrior learned how to defeat fear. And this is how it actually works. 
There has to be some kind of respect for the jitters, some understanding of how our emotions have the power to run us in circles. That understanding helps us discover how we increase our pain, how we increase our confusion, how we cause harm to ourselves. Because we have basic goodness, basic wisdom, basic intelligence, we can stop harming ourselves and harming others. Because mindfulness, we see things when they arise. Because of our understanding, we don't buy into the chain reaction that makes things grow from minute to expansive. We think things minute and they stay tiny. They don't keep expanding. They don't expand into World War III or domestic violence. It all comes through learning to pause for a moment, learning not to just impulsively do the same thing again and again. It's a transformative experience to simply pause instead of immediately filling up the space. By waiting, we begin to connect with fundamental restlessness as well as fundamental spaciousness. The result is that we cease to cause harm. We begin to know ourselves thoroughly and to respect others. Anything can come up. Anything can walk into our house. We can find anything sitting on our living room couch and we don't freak out. We have been thoroughly processed by coming to know ourselves, thoroughly processed by this honest, gentle mindfulness. This process connects us with the fruition of not causing harm. Fundamental well-being of our body, speech, and mind. Well-being of body is like a mountain. A lot happens on a mountain. It hails and the winds come up, and it rains and snows. The sun gets very hot, and clouds cross over. Animals shit and piss on the mountain, and so do people. People leave their trash, and other people clean it up. Many things come and go on this mountain, but it just sits there. When we've seen ourselves completely, there's a stillness of body that is like a mountain. We no longer get jumpy and have to scratch our noses and pull our ears and punch somebody and go running from room to room or drink ourselves into oblivion. A thoroughly good relationship with ourselves results in being still, which doesn't mean we don't run and jump and dance about. It means there's no compulsiveness. We don't overwork, overeat, oversmoke, overseduce. In short, we begin to stop causing harm. Not causing harm requires staying awake. Part of being awake is slowing down enough to notice what we say and what we do. The more we witness our emotional chain reactions and understand how they work, the easier it is to refrain. It becomes a way of life to stay awake, to slow down and notice. At the root of of all harm we cause is ignorance. Through meditation, that's what we begin to undo. If we see that we have no mindfulness, that we rarely refrain, that we have little well-being, that is not confusion, that's the beginning of clarity. As the moments of our lives go by, our ability to be deaf, dumb, and blind just don't work so well anymore. Rather than making us more uptight, increasingly enough, this process liberates us. This is the liberation that naturally arises when we are completely here, without anxiety about imperfection.
Wow. So that is from a piece called Not Causing Harm by the incredible Tibetan Buddhist teacher and monk and amazing woman, Pema Chodron. If you haven't read some of the things that she's written, I think it's probably time you did. Not causing harm, it's an important part of life and our training. And sure, we might train in the martial arts. We might work hard to be the best that we can at striking and throwing and how to submit people on the ground. But as we train in the martial arts, we actually normally mature and in reality become less violent. We want to avoid using what we know outside of what we do on the mats. And on the surface, that might sound a little strange if you've never trained in the martial arts before, or maybe don't have a very good instruction in it. But people often expect the people who do the martial arts to be violent. I've had people coming in the door of my martial arts school um, saying that their child or a friend wants to do martial arts, but they're a little concerned about the violence. It's a common thing. But what I've found is that it's the exact opposite. That the more you train, the less violent you are. You come face to face with it all the time. You look at it in the face. Violence and fear and aggression. And it just doesn't have any sway over you. You become more relaxed. More chilled out. Now, there might be a few reasons for this. Maybe it's the f- because of the fact that the martial arts blows off so much steam when you train in it. Maybe it's because you realize just how easy it is to hurt people. Maybe it's because of a more compassionate view of people that's developing through your training. I think it's all of these things and more. The cornerstone of your training should be about respect, compassion, and gratitude. If you don't train with that every day on the mats, then something is missing. I think the training itself creates a better person from the combination of impacts it makes on that person and on that group. The key thing, though, is that we develop the idea of causing no harm. And don't get me wrong, this is hard. This is maybe the hardest part of your training, other than showing up. You go for a walk and you're likely stepping on little things that won't survive as a result of your walking. Eat food, and even if you're an extreme vegan, you are still killing something. What we need to do in this life, though, is be aware of what we are doing and why we are doing it and the things our actions do and the impacts of our actions. And always temper it with respect, with compassion, and with gratitude. What are the impacts of our actions? 
There are a lot of things to work on. When you think about it, are you prone to anger? Do you gossip? Are you a bully? Or maybe you say things about yourself. I'm not good enough. I'm too fat. I'm too small. I'm too dumb. I'm too old. I'm too young. All these are good things to think about. How are you harming yourself? And what is the result of that? As I said before, our training and our lives are about cleaning things up. You've got a dirty room and all of this training is about getting to work at cleaning it up. Cleaning your room. The room in which we live. This takes honesty and it also takes a lot of work and a lot of honesty. (laughs) Even more, more honesty. You have to examine your life and take stock. The important thing when we start to train in this way is that we're gentle with ourselves. We need to take responsibility for our actions, but because, but we need to understand that we are trying to do better. You know you did something, accept it, and do better. This doing better might take a lot of shapes and sizes, but it's work that has to be done. And it's going to be a lifetime of it. Another thing to remember, just like that walk around the block, we simply, as a process of living, are going to impact others, other things, and other people. But we need to lessen things in what we do in terms of harm. That doesn't mean you don't make decisions in your life. That doesn't mean you don't do things that you want to do. That doesn't mean that you don't sometimes make some decisions that other people won't agree with. It means that you act with compassion. You act with gratitude. And you act with respect. For yourself and everything else around us. And it's hard. And you can't always be perfect. And some decisions you have to weigh what is the best thing to do and what is the thing that I'm going to do because this is best for me right now. That is a tough one. But it's also what we need. Just like those vegans that still need to eat. So next time you see that spider, how about you don't squash it? Maybe next time you do something harmful, maybe try to lessen the harm. Like I learned a long time ago, if you got some bad news, give it in person. Which is a tough lesson to learn nowadays when it's easier just to send somebody a text or an email. But it's amazing how much you can hurt somebody with words that they don't understand with actions that they don't understand. But if we take a step forward with compassion and with respect and with gratitude, then we're always going to strive to make better decisions. 
And maybe you messed up. Maybe you did something. There's this amazing word that we learn when we're young. And it goes like this. I'm sorry. That's all you have to do. Think about it all as the first step. So, I think we'll leave it there. But seriously, pick up one of uh, Pema Chodron's books because, honestly, they're fantastic. Um, whether you are... And by the way, I know some of you listening to this, you're not all Buddhist and that's just fine. I believe, and the reason why I pick some of these is because I think we can learn from everybody. Um, it doesn't matter if you are a Baptist or a Muslim. If you are completely atheist, I think we can learn from everybody. And um, you might be a member of the um, I'm <laughs> the Church of No Church and the Way of No Way. <laughs> but uh, I think you can learn from hearing what other people think about things. There's universal truths. And I think all paths share those. Um, I'm sure that there are just as many interesting Christian writers out there who have written about meditation. Um, but my, I myself, I am a Zen Buddhist, and I can relate to the Zen way of thinking about things. Um, every so often I come across something like Pema Chodron, for instance, Tibetan Buddhist, a little bit different. And I get something out of that still. I actually get a lot out of it. Um, doesn't matter where it comes from. And I think that's the best way to, to look at things, to subscribe to that, you know, no way is your way, every way is your way. And to learn from everyone and everything, you know, just like you know, you go to the gym, you might want to make your shoulders and your legs strong, but if that's all you focus on and you don't focus on your chest or your back or anything else, you are going to be in one sorry state. So we have to make sure everything is working together, that we can benefit from everything. And, uh, you know, don't skip leg day, don't skip cardio, and also don't stand in front of that mirror doing bicep curls. <laughs> yes, that's my pet peeve. <laughs> anyway, maybe you're listening to this doing that. And if you are, well, keep at it. Whatever turns your crank. So, question of the day. If you're going to start training in the martial arts, how much should you train? Well, man, I could answer this really quickly. Instead, I will be a little bit more precise. Um, how much should you train? You should start with what works for you and your schedule. But see if you can't commit to at least twice a week, an hour or two each time. With time, you're going to want to train more, most likely. But the key thing is to keep it fresh and creative and fun and like play. If you make it a chore... You're never going to keep up with it or will end up resenting it. So that 
it's important that you find a school and a teacher that you like and people that are in that school that you like. For those who are already deep in, just keep it up. Stick to it and make your training part of your life in a way that without it, you feel as if you are really missing something. And repeat. That's all. Show up. Train. Don't take time off. Don't give yourself excuses. Don't become a tourist. Train. Be diligent. (laughs) I was going to say just train all the time, but that's not reality for most people. Um, Anyways, if you have a question that you would like answered on the Warrior's Way podcast, send it to me. You can find me on Facebook and you can find me um, on our website as well. Uh, you can, well, I'm talking about that. Um, please check out our Warriors Way podcast page. I've got a few things on there now. Been writing some stuff and there's a reading list on there. Um, also, please check out our Facebook page. That one, uh, just do usual Facebook search and it'll pop up and like it and you can reach me through there. Um, also, you can find us on Instagram. It is the Eek Academy, my martial arts schools page, but I post stuff on there for for everything. Um, and if you are liking this podcast, as I've said before, get on that Apple Podcasts and give it five stars. But not just that, because some of you literally are just giving it five stars, which is okay. But uh, you're sitting here listening to this all the time. Write a few words and submit it. Wow, this is such a great thing, and he has a great shaved head. <laughs> Don't actually do that, please. Um, but anyways, um, yeah, give it a, a review, because when you do that, it pops up more for other people. Um, and of course, if you like it, please let other people know. I've noticed a few people do that on Facebook through the um, Facebook page. And that's awesome. If you've done that, you get a gold star in my books. Um, Spread word. When you're talking to your buddies, let them know about our podcast uh, and the difference that it makes in your life and what you like about it. When you're at your dojo or whatever it is that you train at, tell other people about it. Uh, Spread the word because that would be fantastic too and get them to do a review. Um, And the other thing, if you like these things that I talk about, you will notice that I have written a couple books on such things myself. You can Google them or whatever, and they will pop up on Amazon. Uh, The first book is Warrior's Way, just like the name of the podcast. And the other one that is more recent is A Wolf in the Woods. Uh, I have a few more that are on the go, and I imagine they'll be there fairly soon. (laughs) I take my time editing stuff, so it may not be soon. It may be soon-ish. But in the meantime, dear listener, you get to listen to me every week. Um, I really do hope that you're enjoying the podcast. If you do like it, drop me a line. Let me know. Let me know what you think. Let me know if you have any ideas. Let me know if there is something or some book or some martial artist or some cool person that you think would be a good uh, showcase for the Warriors Way podcast. And that'd be cool too. And with that, 
I am going to leave you and let you get doing all the cool things that you do. Try to live a good life. Do some good deeds every day. Be a good friend. Train hard. Get yourself in shape. Make this world a better place that you've been in it. And be a good friend. Thanks a lot.